Welcome to another episode of the pod. Today we're going to discuss the American involvement in Central America, in particular the really the overall involvement um, the U.S. has had over the years, over the decades in the uh, Americas overall. Because as we know, America isn't just comprised of the U.S., there are plenty of other countries in the Western Hemisphere. And I want to focus on that thanks to the most recent visit our Vice President Kamala Harris had to Guatemala and Mexico City uh, just this past week. Stay tuned. A few months ago, I was filled with a lot of hope um, thanks to the inauguration of the new administration. And um, one of the things I said, despite all of the um, you know happiness and joy <laughs> that I felt, was that we needed to make sure um, that we also held the Biden administration accountable and um, that we... Um, make sure that they stick to their word, that we uh, treat them as we would any administration. Obviously, the Biden administration is not the Trump administration. They're not, you know, trying to ban people. They're not trying to um, really be so xenophobic and and create chaos. Um, and, And that's great. That's wonderful. I'm grateful for that. However, just this past week, uh, Vice President Harris visited Guatemala um, and met with the president, uh, Diamante, I believe his name is, and um, provided uh, or, or mentioned that they, the U.S. was going to be provided millions of dollars in aid. And supposedly the visit was to uh, discuss the root causes for migration. Um, and, and the aid is supposed to help in really just preventing or discouraging people uh, from making the the arduous trek up north to our border. Um, And I I understand um, that obviously um, there's, we're limited in some of the things that we can do. Obviously we can't, you know, force people not to come um, as much as we may try. And and obviously the, the Trump administration definitely um, did a lot of, of horrible things to, to curb um, immigration. But um, one of the things that stuck out to me was what um, VP Harris said during a a press conference um, and basically you know, looked at the camera and and told migrants, do not come. Do not come. You will be turned away, most likely, at our border. And I can understand that, obviously, we don't want a huge, you know, influx of migrants at our southern border, that we don't want to continue uh, what some call the border crisis uh, in our southern border. I get you know, that a lot of stuff has to be fixed. And as I've stated in the past, our immigration system is broken. We we do need to fix it. Um, However, hearing from VP Harris, those words do not come, do not come, felt very much like a blow to a lot of the, in particular, um, Hispanic community that really showed up for VP Harris and Biden, um, the Hispanic community that really believed 
in in what they could possibly do for um not just for us in 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 all the different ways in which we we've asked for help um but also with immigration because that is still um a big um deal within our community and you know early on it was it was um stated that the Biden administration would not be able to uh, overturn a lot of the um, uh, implementations and, and rules and laws or whatnot that the previous administration had placed um, in regards to immigration. And the explanation was that it would take some time to really undo those things. And, you know, I was I was upset about that um, because, you know, as part of the hundred day, the first hundred days, Biden had promised this and that. And I get it. Some things, you know, are, are just not possible and some things take time. I understand that. But I I felt that was, you know, something that I I already um, didn't like. And and then, you know, now this situation um, with Harris pretty much um, trying to deter people by telling them not to come. It felt more as a um, <laughs> like a, a way to just appease Republicans. It didn't feel like, you know, a, a real genuine um discussion um towards migrants or or towards the hispanic community it felt more like a way to show the republicans like hey we we're strong on the border especially because the current republican talking point is that biden has you know an open border policy and that's not the case (laughs) as i just mentioned he still has not changed some of the same rules that the previous administration put into place. There are still child detention centers. There are still hundreds of kids whose parents um, haven't been found. So, you know, there's still so much going on. To say that Biden has some sort of open border policy is ludicrous. Um, And so with VP Harris having made those comments, it felt disappointing and disheartening because um, migrants don't come here just just to come here. Uh, they don't flee their countries um, for the fun of it. And and seeking asylum is, is legal internationally. It, it is a legal right. Um, and so to try and basically in any way, shape or form diminish um, the f- what what legal asylum um, seekers are, are trying to do is not helpful. I believe that, you know, she could have definitely said something different. She could have um, either expanded more on that. And, and she didn't. And, um, you know, it, it's frustrating. I don't care about her going to the border. I know uh, people are trying to make a big deal about that as well. I don't care about her going to the border. Her going to the border does nothing to fix the situation down there. But what you say in another country where a root problem is going on um that that does say a lot especially when you're not taking into account or you're at least not discussing the fact that it is our government who has for years helped to destabilize that region one of the root causes for the migration is u.s involvement in central america so to basically just disregard that, not even mention it, not even really say much of anything um, concerning that. It, it's astounding to me because I was hoping <laughs> against all hope, I guess, that 
at least there would be some some sort of semblance of accountability with this administration. And with that accountability comes the fact that we have to be able to admit the wrongs that we've done. I think two episodes ago, I mentioned how we cannot know where we go, where we are going if we don't know where we've been. And so to say that, um, you know, to say to, to migrants, do not come, do not come, it just really doesn't do anything to help the situation or to make things make matters any better we're not even like i said discussing the fact that we've helped to create this problem and i'm not referencing as 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 though the biden administration helped to create this problem i'm just saying in general our history in our history we helped to create this problem the countries in central america most of them are are very poor. The people there are not just, like I said, trying to come here and and make the very long and pricey and dangerous trek up to our southern border just for the fun of it. Um, A lot of the the people leaving are leaving because their lives are threatened, because their families' lives are threatened, because of the immense poverty um, that surrounds, you know, so many people over there. There's a lot of corruption, a lot of corruption in the governments that we have helped to install in those countries. There's gang issues and and the whole, you know, talking point from the previous administration about MS-13 and all these issues here, I, I mean... Our country has been able to handle a lot of things. Those countries over there, they can't. The gangs over there pretty much run most things. People are afraid to do a lot of things because of the fact that, you know, you might get charged. I've been told stories by credible sources, most of which are actually, you know, living down there, who can't even visit their dead relatives in cemeteries because they have gang members who are at the the gates trying to charge people to come in. There's even been details of gang members who have dug up graves to um just for the fun of it and and then they play soccer with skulls like this sounds like it it's just so ludicrous and so wild like it can't be true but it is and 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 so knowing all of these different things it just to me makes no sense um to uh to say that you know the people that are trying to come here are are don't have a, a valid reason. And sure, of course, as a nation, we do have to secure our border. Um, it, it's obviously important. But because there is an international um, law that allows for legal asylum, then we need to adhere to some of those or, or to to that law and um, find a way in which we can, you know, handle things at the southern border in, in an orderly way. I, I get that, you know, obviously there's people who try to um, who try to cross the border and in, in many of ways in which are not legal. And I don't agree with that. I don't. But I can understand why some people would do that. And I think that's a lot of the problem with a lot of Americans is that they've been instilled with this fear of um, the the illegal migration that has happened. Um, and, and so because of that fear, because of, of what they've been taught that, you know, oh, um, these these undocumented people are going to, to come and take our jobs, they're going to come and kill uh, our people, they're going to destroy our neighborhoods. It, it's been this this never ending like loop of fear 
But the reality is, is that undocumented people come here for a better life. They come here to work. They do not really take our jobs because most jobs require you to have legal documentation proving that you can work in this country. So unless you're referring to jobs being taken um, in, in those places where you have to, um, you know, pick fruits and, and work out in, in farms and, and in fields and um, do all those things where they're getting paid like cents on the dollar um, and, and, and it's in cash and all these different things. They're working uh, however many hours out in the sun and like if that's the job that you're referring to, uh, I mean okay, sure, I guess they're taking that job. <laughs> Except I don't know too many, you know, American citizens who are really willing to go and do those sorts of jobs. There's plenty of Americans who don't even want to go and be dishwashers at restaurants. And, and these people don't care about what kind of job they do. They just want to work because they just want to make money. And there's also the fact that um, undocumented people pay millions of dollars in taxes. Sure, some of their money they send back to... Um, their their families in these other countries but they're still also here paying taxes and in order to send money they have to go through these companies that tax them they have to go through these companies that are charging them to be able to send that money so a lot of that still comes back into our economy um and i don't think that people understand that i don't think people realize that there is a difference um in in the things that are are being told to us the fear-mongering and and what reality is um studies also show that uh, regular citizens are more likely to commit crimes than undocumented immigrants i mean why people continue to believe the fear versus reality is beyond me um but again you know going back to uh what i was mentioning earlier it is important for america to take responsibility for the acts um that uh we've done over the decades in in the central american region and really just in all of the americas um because of it, it's something that needs to be known. And if we can take responsibility for it, maybe we can find a way to really actually help the situation. Um, giving aid, financial aid to those countries, it sure, like I said, it can it can be a good thing. But a lot of the time, the money is given to organizations that are also corrupt, who don't do anything for the people that the money is intended for. So literally, it's it's a cycle where we're going back to the same thing and still there's really no aid or no help that's actually given to the people that need it in those countries. To really take things back, in 1823, President Monroe established what became known as the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine was basically um, a U.S. foreign policy, and it was a way to protect the Western Hemisphere by declaring that the Old World and New World had different systems and must remain distinct fears. Um, Monroe made four basic points. The first one was the United States would not interfere in internal affairs of or um, the wars between European powers. Number two, the United States recognized and would not interfere with existing colonies and dependencies in the Western Hemisphere. Number three, the Western Hemisphere was closed to future colonies 
colonization, and number four, any attempt by a European power to oppress or control any nation in the Western Hemisphere would be viewed as a hostile act against the United States. Now, this basically sounds as though it is a way to protect the Western Hemisphere, to protect the Americas. As I mentioned um, at the very top of the show, um, America is not just the United States. The Americas are comprised of many different countries um, and several regions. So um, with this doctrine, they were trying to say that we were going to basically step in if the Europe, if any European country tried to colonize any of the other countries in our region. And that sounds like a good thing because, of course, colonization um, wasn't all that great. So um, by this being some sort of protectorate, um, eventually it became, you know, more and more embraced in the in uh, the beginning, of course, uh, because the U.S. wasn't as powerful, it wasn't really something that was used often. But eventually, um, thanks to a couple of different things that transpired, um, the Monroe Doctrine really became more and more uh, a focus of our uh, foreign policy. And when um, Teddy Roosevelt became president, he also um, basically left his mark uh, on the doctrine in essence um, because he uh, added the Roosevelt corollary to the doctrine in 1904. And that stated, um, in cases of flagrant and chronic wrongdoing by a Latin American country, the United States would intervene in that country's internal affairs, essentially making us some kind of police to the hemisphere. Um, and, and that was supposed to also stop any kind of violation of the doctrine um, by European countries seeking to um, maybe get some kind of... Um, revenge or or uh seek some kind of uh redress of grievances against unruly or mismanaged latin american states um but this basically was in essence a way to also give us power to be involved as mentioned in the internal affairs of these countries should something happen that remotely resembled um, anything going against the doctrine. Um, and, and so we, we've tried, uh, for many years to do different things, um, and, and try and all in the name of protecting, um, uh, any kind of national security threat or protecting commercial assets in the Western hemisphere. Um, but, essentially all it's really done is help to to destabilize the region that that's um what i was referencing earlier um because we haven't always made the right moves and we've done a lot of things that have just created more issues um overall for those countries it's like we go in we do something we leave and and then we don't really have follow through any follow up or, or whatever to to help them um and and so i want to go over uh i found a, sort of a list of the different things that we have done um in the region that have created uh some issues uh, basically notable us interventions in latin america um the first 
of which is listed here uh, from an article in the AP News is from 1846, where the United States invaded Mexico and captured Mexico City in 1847. A peace treaty the following year gives the U.S. more than half of Mexico's territory, what is now most of the Western United States. Um, a lot of us probably know about this, especially for me living here in Texas um, and and knowing that, you know, a lot of the Western states, including parts of Texas, belong to Mexico. Um, but we we went ahead and took that from them. Um, then in 1903, the U.S. Uh, engineered Panamanian independence from Colombia um, really to gain sovereign rights over the zone where the Panama Canal would connect Atlantic and Pacific shipping routes. Then in 1903, Cuba and the U.S. signed a treaty allowing near total U.S. control of Cuban affairs. That's when we also established our naval base at Guantanamo Bay. Um, well, I think we know how how well um, things have worked out for us in, in Cuba. Um, it, it hasn't exactly been... Um, all that great for a very long time. In 1954, uh, Guatemalan President uh, Arbenz is overthrown in a CIA-backed coup. In 1961, the U.S.-backed Bay of Pigs invasion failed to overthrow Soviet-backed Cuban leader Fidel Castro, um, but Washington continued to launch attempts to assassinate Castro and dislodge his government. Um, and, of course, we all know how that worked out, considering Castro lived a very, very, very long life um, as the dictator of Cuba. Then in, um, in 1980, the Reagan administration backed the anti-communist Contra forces against Nicaragua Sandinista government and backed uh, the Salvadorian government against leftist FMLN rebels. Um, in 1989, U.S. invaded Panama to oust strongman Manuel Noriega. In 1994, the U.S.-led invasion of Haiti is launched to remove the military regime installed by a 1991 coup that ousted President uh, Jean-Bertrand Aristide. Um, the invasion restored um, Aristide. And... Um, in 2002, Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez is ousted for two days before retaking power. And he and his allies, of course, accused the U.S. of support for the coup attempt. In 2009, Honduran President Manuel Zelaya um, was overthrown by the military. The U.S. was accused of worsening the situation um, by insufficient condemnation of the coup. And there's also rumors of possible involvement in the coup um, at the time by our, uh, by our government um, and more so our secretary of state at the time, which was Hillary Clinton. So uh, I say all this to say that we've had so many different issues in which we have gone to these places to try to supposedly do something right. And when we leave, we, like I said, don't really have a follow up or follow through to um, ensure that things were taken care of properly. And I understand that would just require more involvement, which um, some people wouldn't want. But 
look at the consequences of some of, you know, these things. We have continued to um, have, like, money basically being thrown at all these different um, uh, countries, and, and it's just not being used appropriately. We have um, basically installed puppet governments um, that have turned corrupt and done nothing to help these countries and only added to the poverty and violence that really forces people to leave those countries. Um, and, and so as a first generation American, knowing what my parents and so many other relatives and friends and just different people, um, immigrants have been through and, and the reasons why they've come to this country, it, I feel it's important to understand um, the very, very complex situation um, and the complex reasons that lead a person to to leave. Um, I was someone that for a, a while um, really didn't understand it. I, I, I didn't get why people would make that sort of journey. It I've heard horror stories and it just didn't add up to me, especially when you involve children. Um, but it was my father who explained to me the the horrible feeling people have um, living in those situations in which not only are, there, are they fearing for their own lives, but they're fearing for the lives of their families. So they feel that it is worth dying trying to come this way than to be murdered by their own country. Um, and that's something that I could never fully understand because, again, I am first-generation American. I was born here, and so I am afforded freedoms and rights that um, my parents did not have in their home country of Honduras. But hearing those stories does help me to get more insight Um into the the minds of these people who decide to make that that trek and and because of that I think I'll always feel a responsibility um to tell the truth of what we have done what our government has done to make this situation so much worse for people and the fact that we continue to have a broken immigration system still no pathway to citizenship for the millions of um uh, undocumented people in this country or, or for the dreamers or for people that um, are, are residents but there's there's always issues it took it took my father nearly a year and a half after passing the U.S. citizenship U.S. citizenship exam it took a, nearly a year and a half for him to get his letter telling him when he could go and take the oath to become an American citizen when he was supposed to have received it within 60 to 90 days, but instead it took a year and a half. And so when people try to tell me, well, why don't they just come the legal way? Or why don't they just do things the right way, the legal way? Many people have tried and there's always some kind of an issue. And many people have, you know, tried to, to do things by the bug and either it takes years or it takes so much money and sometimes people get discouraged. So just seeing that, that that one thing that happened to my dad, out of all the things I've seen happen to my parents over the years, thanks to our immigration system, it is disheartening. He should not have had to have waited a year and a half to get his citizen, to finally become a citizen. 
he had he had passed the exam very easily and very quickly and it took a year and a half for him to finally get his letter telling him when he could take the oath and on the day that he did finally take the oath it was a very proud moment for him for our family because it's been a very long long journey and i just think we should be we should be mindful of that <laughs> in in the same way we need to be mindful of a lot of things people go through so much and to be dismissive in any kind of way to to fall into the trap of the fear mongering it's it's not helpful in any real way so i'm disappointed with with vp harris visit um to Guatemala um and you know with with the words that she used the statement that she made i i don't want to you know completely throw away the hope that i had um but it is frustrating because this administration just like every other you know administration and politicians all promise things and i know that they don't always follow through but you have millions and millions of people in this country that want to see something finally be done about our broken immigration system and i will keep you know calling them out when they're not doing as they promised that they would and i will keep finding ways to um take them to task i i've emailed tweeted called whatever i've needed to do and and i hope you would do the same because it helps to have more and more americans be um aware of the reality the truth and that also in turn helps to um you know make sure that um we can keep the pressure on them and hopefully you know these next 100 days um of the Biden administration can can finally um do something for our people um they can you know even if it's just finally starting to come to a decision as to what needs to be done um or finding solutions right i mean that's ultimately the the priority is is finding a solution and and also being very open and honest about all of these false narratives and all of these um you know fears that are are just not accurate i think that would also help um to um get americans on board with uh, the right sort of immigration policy and and finding a, a solution to it all Thank you guys for listening. I am so grateful to everyone who um, reaches out about the the show and and the different topics I've gone over on the episodes. And this one, um, you know, <laughs> was definitely a very emotional one for me just because of my connection to um, uh, immigration and and to the different things that have occurred over the years with our involvement um, in in the region and. So I hope you're able to take a little bit away and, and, and understand um, what's really happened. And um, the same way as I asked for allies in the fight against, um, you know, the uh, abortion rights being taken away. I am once again asking for allies in, you know, helping to ensure that 
that um, the truth is is being told to people um, when it comes to immigration and and why people are coming here and fighting through the the fears, the false fears and, and the false anxieties um, that come with all of that. Um, and and just, you know, if at the very least you can you can learn that you can spread it to other people i think that it's a good way to to be an ally to to also just you know spread the word to other people um i can be reached at at uh on ig at the simple politics uh and then on twitter at the simple poly Uh, thank you guys for listening and for all the support um i really appreciate it have a great weekend